What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 25. My name is James Scully. Today is the one-year anniversary of the debut of Breaking Walls, and because it's the one-year anniversary, I thought we'd switch up the format a little bit and introduce October's topic and also play select clips from the first year and the first 24 episodes of Breaking Walls. We've had fantastic interviews with diverse, learned, self-aware, open people, and if this is your first time tuning into Breaking Walls, this could be a great way for you to get interested in some of the other episodes that we've had recorded in the past. It's a very good way to look back and look forward at the same time. So before I go on, as I always say, you can get Breaking Walls, the Wall Breakers podcast, on SoundCloud by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. If you follow us on SoundCloud, then if we have recently released a track and you log into soundcloud.com, it'll show up in your default feed. If you go to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers, you can also listen there. And this podcast is available on iTunes through a RSS feed from SoundCloud. So if you go to iTunes and you search for The Wall Breakers, T-H-E-W-A-L-L-B-R-E-A-K-E-R-S, you can subscribe to our podcast that way. Then anytime we have released a podcast, it will automatically download to any of your devices that have iTunes or the Apple Podcast app on it. Now, once you've subscribed to either the SoundCloud podcast or via iTunes, you can rate us, you can review us. I would ask that if you are going to subscribe or if you are going to tune in, please do both of those things. If you don't even have anything nice to say, say it publicly, because this way we'll get better and we'll keep moving forward. It's been one year since I launched the debut edition of Breaking Walls with Reb Brandt, and you'll hear uh, select clips from Reb's interview in today's episode as well. I've learned a lot about interviewing. I've learned a lot about sitting down and talking to people. I've learned a lot about myself in the last year because I've had these conversations with people of all different ages and all different backgrounds who, truthfully, think similarly to all of us, and that's because we're all people. We all want generally the same things, in my opinion. It comes down to happiness, self-awareness, inner peace, a sense of financial chillness where you don't have to worry about where your next paycheck is coming from or that you've got peanuts in the bank. Everybody basically wants the same thing, whether you're in Bangkok, like Ian Russell, episode number 23, whether you're in Staten Island, like Reb, episode number one, whether you're in Detroit, like Eric Gorgeous, host of PBS's Craftsman's Legacy, which is episode number 22. It doesn't matter where you live or where you're from. If you're tuning into this podcast, chances are you and I, we're much more similar than maybe we even realize. So it's October. Today, obviously, as we're releasing this podcast, if you're tuning in, I'm dating myself when I say it's October 1st, 2015. We've just changed topics for the month on the Wall Breakers. If this is the first time that you're tuning into anything that has to do with the Wall Breakers, know that each month we have a topic that adheres to a theme or an event in that month. So for October, our theme is going to be fear and masquerade. We get that from Halloween being in October, but also as a topic itself, there are many times in our lives that we face fears. There are times in our lives that we masquerade as somebody other than who we truly are in, in our own hearts. And it's important to talk about these things because they're man-made inventions. I, if you look at a three-year-old 
you talk to a three or four year old, of course they have things that they're afraid of. We all do from the very, from the youngest that we can be, there's something that we're going to be afraid of. And I think about Chelsea Bonoski, who was episode eight of this podcast that Lena Gonzalez and I sat down and interviewed. And she said, you're always going to be afraid of something. So don't let that hold you back. And it, there, there's so much truth in that. If you conquer this fear, there will be another fear that's beyond that fear that you're trying to conquer right now. But if you conquer this one, you'll have the strength to conquer that one as well. Taking ourselves out of our comfort zone and allowing vulnerability in our lives is always a scary thing because you're charging into the unknown and you don't know what's going to be out there. And that's scary. But staying back and never charging out into the unknown is never going to get you over whatever that fear is that you have. So this month, all of our content on The Wall Breakers will center around fear and masquerade. Thanks to one of my favorite holidays, Halloween, being at the end of this month. I love dressing up. I seem to always want to go as something like the devil or a preacher every Halloween. Of course, this preacher would be a manipulative evil preacher, but hey, what are you going to do, right? Uh, these are the things that I like to dress up as, maybe because I'm sick and twisted in my heart. Either way, Halloween, fun holiday, always lots of good things going on here in America. Whether it was trick-or-treating as a kid, it always seems to rain and be dreary on Halloween in New York. My whole life, I've always felt like that's the kind of weather, except for that year and when we actually got a snowstorm. And uh, episode five with Tom Moriello, he was running a bar that day. And I remember opening my eyes. I was living with Tommy at the time. And I opened my eyes and looked outside. It was Halloween on a Saturday. And I said, oh, look, snow. And then it dawned on me that it was snowing in New York on Halloween. And I got up and I went out into the living room and Tommy's face was priceless. He was so pissed because all of your plans, you throw a party, all of your plans go awry. And sometimes that happens in life. You can plan and you can plan, but there are unforeseen things that happen. So this episode on Breaking Walls, number 25, is going to be all about celebrating the first 24 episodes. I thought it was a good time to have a show that went back and talked about some of the themes that have been ever-present on The Wall Breakers so far. This particular podcast is going to have a breakdown of clips in five different categories. We're going to talk about breaking walls on business. We're going to talk about breaking walls on human connection, on inspiration, on patience, and on trusting yourself. And these seminal moments in time during these interviews that I'm going to play for you. I will set them up, obviously, so that there's some context if you have never heard this before, but listen to what these guests have to say. Because when you step back and you look at it all from a top-level perspective, there is so much commonality between every person that I have sat down with and the things that they are saying. And the good part about that for me is we can choose to live our lives any way that we want. And sometimes it feels like people are choosing to make us live our lives in a way that we don't want to live. But I, I, I believe at the end of the day, it's still up to us. Give me liberty or give me death. A famous quote, and there's truth there. I don't mean that you should ever choose death over life, but the point is that we sometimes feel like we don't have a choice, 
or that we don't know what we want to do, or that we don't know how to go about getting what we want, but the answers tend to be right there for us at all times based on what we know because we're all self-aware, we've all lived our lives, and for me, these clips and these particular interviews, they help me realize that so long as I'm trying to do good in this world, and I'm not trying to screw people over, and so long as I'm trusting myself and I'm trying to move my life forward, there are people out there doing the exact same things, and self-validation is fantastic, and it's always great to hear that people that you respect think in a similar manner because it helps validate you as well and helps give you advice and helps give you the confidence to keep moving. So, after this brief pause, we're going to set up the first set of clips, which will be Breaking Walls on Business. Stay tuned. Right after this pause, and welcome to October on the Wall Breakers. Breaking Walls Episode 3 was with Brett Affronti. Brett is a successful freelance illustrator who currently lives in Philly on the Jersey-Philly border, but has spent the last 10 years prior to that living in Brooklyn, New York. I met Brett in college, and not a knock on anyone who I went to college with and was an illustration major, but we were told at the time, if you were an illustration major, the only way that you could make it professionally would be as a freelancer. And that has, for the most part, been proven 100% right. Brett works very hard at establishing his own business and has been doing it for years now and has mastered it. He's learned how to make a dollar for himself, and he knows the ins and outs. I was talking to Brett about the different methods that he goes about acquiring clients, how he puts his name out there, what he does as a freelancer to generate business, and also be creatively satisfied at the same time. And I asked Brett... What is your method for invoicing, for how to go about that? You know, money is something that people have a hard time talking about. Oh, no, they should But shouldn't. when you have to get your money, you have to talk about no, it. No, and I think I'm very open about you know, the money aspect of everything. I think people should be more open about talking about rates, how they get paid and when they get paid. And it's a really important part of being a business owner and a freelancer. That's the hardest part of freelancing. Getting and paid. I, not getting paid necessarily. Well, getting, getting the job to get paid is one step invoicing and then getting the money is another step and then balancing when the money's coming in when it's not you have to be very good with your money and you have to make mistakes along the way so and you shouldn't be afraid to make them because well you you prefer to not make big mistakes because you don't right. want to be flat broke or something but you're going to make the mistakes you're going to you're going to learn the hard way about certain things it just has to be i think now as brett mentioned there we shouldn't be afraid to talk about money and if you're going to run your own business, you have to have a lot of confidence. But one thing that you're absolutely going to need is tons of patience because it took Brett a very long time, a few years, before he could finally look at himself in the mirror and say, okay, I think I'm making this. It's working. Sure, every day I have to work to push harder and harder and make sure that I can make money and also be creatively satisfied, but the ball has gotten rolling. And when I sat down with Eric Scott, for Breaking Walls episode 16, and Eric is someone who's run two businesses in his life, 
and I spoke with him about expectations on making money, on revenue, getting from the red into the black, and what that should be. If you're expecting to have exorbitant amounts of revenue right off the bat, you might as well just shoot yourself in the foot right mm -hmm. now, right? Yeah, so yeah and, and patience is always hard, right? Because especially as an ADD sort of business owner that always has to be in motion and, and has that big vision, you want to get there right now. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that was always a struggle to know when to push and when not to push. And, and I don't think there's, I think that just comes from doing, right? If you push too hard, you're going to burn everybody out. You're going to burn out all your money and you're going to fail. And if you don't push hard enough, everybody's going to get bored and leave, you included, right? So there's, there's a really fine line between boredom and failure. And I think it just takes a lot of tries before you start to get, get it right. So and I think I've got a lot more tries before I really figure out what, what, what the right, you know, because if you're pushing too hard, you'll see it on your employees, but not for a while. You'll see it on yourself, but not for a while, and sometimes not until it's too late. Right, exactly, because once you pass that... Yeah, once you, once you hit the part where you're burned out, you're like, you know what? I, I, I don't care do anymore. I don't, I don't care, care anymore. anymore. You, right. Once that flip switch flips in your head, it's, it's, it's done. So it's, it's a hard line, because you can also see it in your employees if you're not pushing them hard enough, because everything is fine. It's just all fine, right? They're not coming to you and saying, Eric, that's a little too hard. You know, that, I feel like you know, that, that's a hard goal to hit. And if you're not hearing that sometimes... Everybody's getting bored, you included, right? So there's definitely an appropriate uh, amount of push that makes people uncomfortable sometimes, but not all the time. And that's kind of riding that line, and it's a hard thing to do. But let's say now you're somebody who wants to change careers, and you're very frustrated with what's been going on in the career that you're currently in and how you're making your money. And you want to throw it all the way, and you want to walk away from it, and you say, no, I want to start something new. But... The skills that you have cultivated up until this point in time at your job or in life, they combine to something bigger than that. And when we're frustrated, a lot of times we think, you know, you, you play five-card hand poker and you want to throw all the cards back. You don't have to throw all of your cards in because there are things that you have learned, positives that you can take away and shift to other points of your career. And also, as Tom Moriello says in this clip, when we talk about knowing how to make money and knowing what your skills are. Know what your bread and butter is. Know exactly what it is that you're, it's going to keep you going. But mask that and be able to introduce that, what you're so good at, in different ways. Right. Because years are going to pass, trends are going to go, people are going to want to drink at new places, people are going to get bored of seeing the same person. So have that same setup, but with a fresh face, and a different glass, and a different spirit in that glass. Mm -hmm. Knowing what it is, that's what they're coming there for. They're coming there for conversation, to feel good, to have fun, and it's being a fun place. And it's also kind of like, in a way, what you're saying is understand all the aspects of why something is making you money or how you're making money with it so that if you know all about it and you understand it completely, you can make little facelifts to it and continue to evolve it in certain ways, like you're saying. And that's your research. Right. And that's what's doing your homework. Because mm -hmm. you come in there like, oh, look at me. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do everything. That's a great attitude. You're going to eat nothing spit up. Right. Now, if you come in saying, I would like to change the world, but mm -hmm. I'm going to respect who built this world that I'm looking into, I'm going to understand every decision that they make. I'm going to praise them for it and say, this is what you're doing great, and this is where you're going. But from my expertise and what I see, this is where we can take it now. 
So be humble. Very humble. Because and they know truth, a lot more than you. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely true. And I think that's something that anybody who's ever done well at anything in life is going to get knocked down a couple of pegs at times because somebody who's a little older and wiser than them is going to say, well, hey now, fella, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know what you thought. And, but it's good to go in humble because then at least, if, like, so basically what, what you just said, it's almost like the quiet confidence. You should have that quiet confidence because you've done your homework and you're humble about it. And at that point in time, when you feel that way, would you say that because your ego in and of itself, you're not thinking about your ego at that moment. Are you then, because of that, more clear in what you're pitching? If somebody asks you a question, you have that answer because you're not worried about how do I look or what do they think of me or... 100%. And you're not worried about pissing them off at the end of the day. Right. Because the worst thing you want to do is going like, you suck. Everything you're doing is wrong. Right, and you're not saying that in, in words if you have that attitude. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, I've been around for 15 years, you just came here, and now you're going to tell me to switch everything? You're an idiot. You right. know, like, I, even why if, I And even if you're right, they're not going to believe you. Exactly. you got to know that these people have been on Plymouth Rock a lot longer than you got. Respect the building. Respect the forefathers before you. So mm-hmm. It's like everything that's going on before you. You, you have to. And you have to learn something. You have to see the trends, see what they did to excel. Along similar lines with Tommy, I sat down for episode 19 with Olga Lyshenko and Fernando Sanabria. Olga is an interior designer by trade, and her husband, Fernando, has an engineering background and also a real estate background. They're married, and they've combined their efforts to form a business for themselves. They take a very pragmatic and practical approach to running their business, which is something that you have to do. Yes, we're all dreamers and we all are idealists, and sometimes we're also pessimists, but it's important in business, according to Olga and Fernando, to not be ignorantly idealistic. I think the most important thing for any kind of business undertaking or any undertaking in general is to know what you don't know. You need to have a realistic assertion of your own capabilities and you need to have a very clear-cut list of all the things that you or your management skills or resources that you are lacking okay and then you need to go and you need to find someone with those resources okay so what you're saying absolutely write things down however you remember those features if you need to write them down if you need to draw a mind map if you need to input it into your calendar whatever whatever thinking process works for you but it is i can't stress enough it is crucial that you understand what it is you don't have because um, entrepreneurs by definition we're overzealous and we're overly optimistic so when you're making your you know basic research for starting some sort of venture or getting into some sort of shenanigans with a friend that might turn into a company, you take everything that you think, you take the pessimistic approach, you cut it in half, and that is approaching the reality of the situation. I think that might sound a little more dire. It's not, no, no, it's not dire, because we overestimate how easy and how comfortable things will be by that much. Okay. It's, it's been statistically proven. So, so you're also talking about being incredibly patient at the same time. You need to be patient and you need to be prepared. You need to overestimate the potential for failure because if your business doesn't go necessarily 100% the way that you expect it to go the first few months, you will be much more comfortable and much more prepared. If, you know, if for instance, you're deciding 
to cut all ties to the corporate world and I'm going to take my savings and start a business. Okay. Because in those situations, if, you, if, if you're basically going cold turkey and deciding to launch an entrepreneurial venture, budgeting is important. Absolutely. Because you are then in a situation where you have very limited resources. Okay. That is a very different way to start a business than let's say you're working at KPMG or Deloitte and you have a side project on the side. Because chances are what you're making at KPMG and Deloitte is over 75000 a year, which is the happiness threshold apparently in the American economy. Except for the people who live in New York. But that's Except for the people who live in New York, which joking. is we're all cranky anyway, so really. <laughs> but okay, so to umbrella what you just said, first of all, find your passion. And secondly, Take, be pessimistic about it. Do your research. It helps to be, you're talking about being prepared. Yeah. You can only, now, granted, you can only prepare so much, and then no matter how much you prepare, things that you're not right. expecting are going to happen, that's life in any kind of situation. Right. But, but if you prepare, you'll be more likely to be cushioned when those unexpected things happen. And more confident yeah. that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Now, you also said, figure out everything that you do have, skill-wise, mm -hmm. ability-wise, figure out everything that you don't have. And you have to be really honest with yourself about that. Absolutely. Without that, you can't get the other person who then has those skills. Right. You know, for instance, I do not have a broker's license in the state of New York. Fernando happens to have one. Okay. I don't have engineering and product design experience to that level. Fernando does. But we're also talking a lot about looking in the mirror, really looking at yourself and being honest with yourself to get ahead in life. I feel well, like the, the point precisely, you need to know. No, why? No. That when you're about to engage into, it's something you believe on. You have to believe in what you're doing. I think the hardest thing for a person who is about to enter a venture is to believe, based on what Olga was saying, similar word, is to believe what you're about to do. Whether you're going to sell a product, whether you're going to sell a thought, or you're actually going to offer a, a physical job. So unless you believe that it's needed, if you need it, somebody else is going to need it. And eventually it's going to take off from there. The moment you doubt yourself, I'm not sure this is going to happen. I'm better off staying on my 9 to 5 because I know I'm going to bring the required income to leave. Mm -hmm. You know the truth is, stay in your 9 to 5. Be the best you can be to your company and your boss. You're doing the right thing. There's eventually, eventually, if, no, it's ideal. It's secure. You don't have to worry about other things. You don't have the stress that you have to go get customers and so on. And you can put savings away. And you can still do these ventures in the side right. as, as a hobby. Like I said before, my marriage is my business. My jobs, it's my hobby. Because you have to adapt. You have to change it. You, it goes with you. Every step will be different. The world is changing every day. Business is an important aspect of the developed world, but the truth of the matter is, if currency as we know it crumbled tomorrow, life would go on. It would have to go on. So long as there is life, life will go on. To me, one of the most important things in the world is how we connect with each other. 
Where are we if we're sitting alone in a closet? We're nowhere because we are nothing without each other. Sure, we have a sense of self and that's incredibly important, but we all want human connection. Bruce Springsteen, ain't nobody want to be alone, he said in Hungry Heart. It's true, nobody wants to be alone. If we're going to allow vulnerability into our lives and we're going to connect with other people, we're going to experience a wide range of emotions that go from the great feelings that we have of being connected with somebody to the despair we have of losing a loved one and everything in between. These clips coming up showcase the importance of connecting with one another. Ian Russell, episode number 23. I sat down with him. We spoke about his life. He's currently living in Bangkok, Thailand, teaching English and human interactions, really, to three- and four-year-olds. And I asked him the differences that he noticed for himself, what it was like to live in Bangkok and assimilate in society compared to his experiences growing up in Philadelphia and also living in Brooklyn. Moving here after living in Philadelphia and, and Brooklyn to where, you know, not only is there lots of other white people, but then, you know, there's, there's also a level of, uh, you know, you're not, you're not the only one. You're not, I'm not special if I'm walking down the street in America, right. you know, yeah. uh, over here, it's like, People see me, and especially my area. Now, I don't. I live in the city, but I'm still close to the fringe. So, downtown, you know, they have a word for foreigners here. It's called falang, and um, it basically just means foreigner, white foreigner. Uh, and it's not it's not a derogatory term, um, but it is something that, like, if you're you'll be at the supermarket, and somebody will just say like, "Oh, falang, da 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 da," and you you know you can hear it even if you don't speak the language. You'll say like, "Oh, okay, they're talking about me." And generally speaking, they're just kind of noticing that you're there. The other thing that they like to do is say hello and smile. You know, so it's like that was actually one of the biggest things that I had dealing with coming to Thailand and also going back to America. Coming to Thailand because I was coming from Brooklyn where, they, you know, living in Bed-Stuy, there was that edge where, okay, I kind of got to put on this this front, this, you know, walk, I got to watch my back. And I thought I had to do that here. And uh, I remember the first time I went out to uh, a 7-Eleven, which are all over the place here, by the way, at four in the morning. And I felt like I had to uh, do that. And there were people out there, uh, there's these motorcycle taxi guys, and they just hang out all times, times a day and night. And uh, this guy, he just, he sees me coming, he goes, hello, you know, very, just like, you know, very, very friendly. And I was like, all the weight that I was carrying around from, from I would say, in America, I just kind of slipped off my back. And I, I've had that vibe here since then. It's, it's very, very well. The very first guest on Breaking Walls episode number one was Reb Rant, a Staten Island-based hip-hop MC that I have known since I'm 13 years old. In 2014, Reb, two years in the making, put together an entire hip-hop album on his own. It's a great album. You should go to Reb SoundCloud or check him out on Facebook, I-T-S-R-E-B-R-A-N-D-T. And we spoke about the connection that an artist would have with a producer. I can't wait to get like 
producer who would just work with me on like an album first. Right, because then you have you have that the the compliment. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's one thing getting beats, and it's another thing beats made, being made for you. So I can't wait to get on that one. That's why I think I'm gonna put my second one on pause and just like look for that one real quick and and work and, and put out singles, but really focus on that second one to be really, really, really better than the first. Now, Reb might have been the first guest that we had when we launched Breaking Walls last year, but when Lena Gonzalez and I relaunched the Wall Breakers as the entire community on February 1st, 2015, our first podcast guest, which became Breaking Walls episode number eight, was with Chelsea Bonoski. Chelsea is a professional theater performer, dancer. She is incredibly self-aware. She has traveled to many different places in America, in the world. She has seen intimate sides of people because she has, as a performer, bared her soul to them. And sometimes this could happen in front of an entire audience of a thousand people, five thousand people, two hundred people, you name it. But sometimes, like when she was dancing for Sleep No More in New York City, your audience could be one person. And what kind of a human connection would that be when you are bearing your soul to an anonymous person in front of you? Mm-hmm. Like when I first started, I was doing the nurse up on the fifth floor in the hospital. And it can be kind of quiet up there sometimes. It's sometimes a little desolate up there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are times where I was like, ugh. There's not up here. Like, is that because do people stuff. just don't make their way? They don't make their way. They don't it's make so their way. overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's not that much like action that goes on in the fifth floor. It's much more about the dynamics of the space. Um, and I, when I first started, I was like, there's no one up here. Like, I don't want to do this solo. Right. I want like so many people to be here and watch me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And then there was one night and there was just this one person standing in the autopsy room. And I was just like, I'm going to do this just for you. And I did the whole solo on this autopsy table just for this one person. And it was just, I obviously don't know what that person felt, but for me, it was just like, like this wave of like, it's not about you. Yeah. This is not about you at all. Like you're involved in an art form that can't be contained. That's the point of this. You, You can't, even if you tape something, it's not the same as like seeing it like live, you know what I mean? This moment is gone in two seconds. That dance is over in two seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's about that moment with that person in that space. That's it. Chelsea points out the validity of living in each moment as a dancer in her performance. But that's just a microcosm of life in general. Dancing is Chelsea's current passions, what she's living her life for, one of the many things that Chelsea's living her life for. But it's important to be living your life for many things if you feel strongly about that. Don't spend your entire life working in an office just because it's what your father and your father's father did. That's not a good enough excuse. You, you're your own person. See the world. Do what you can based on the budget that you have. If you live in a place, explore as much of that place as you possibly can with the time that you have and the loved ones that you care about because they'll ladder up to better things in the future. As Stephen Atanasio mentions in this coming clip, Stephen was a trader at Goldman Sachs and he left that world for a time to take a trip around the world. He 
went to Mongolia with friends, lived in a yurt, traveled a train. He saw the eastern part of the earth when you talk about Russia, China, Mongolia, that area of Asia. And these were experiences that he couldn't have had had he never decided to leave his job. Sure, he planned for them, and that's incredibly important. You shouldn't just wing it all the time because then you don't really know what you're dealing with. You should have a plan. And that's part about being self-aware. You know, there's a lot of people that I think they are self-aware in, in that way, and, and they realize I'm going to work very hard, and then I'm going to take six months off by myself or with my spouse or with my partner. And you need that. We're going to travel because we're in our 20s and we're in our 30s, and we need to experience these things and build memories that are going to mean something in the world. Because, you know, I just think that that's very important. And, well, and acknowledging, and self-awareness is a big thing, I think, for people our age, that there's a lot of different tracks that people take, and especially in today's modern world with Facebook and social media, it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle and see all these other people, and it seems like they might have it all figured out, but in the end, I think they that don't. we're kind of like going back to the Brooklyn thing in high school. There's a lot more similarities and differences. Oh, there all, always is. We're all experiencing the same thing. Absolutely. And even though it might not show, at some point, you do have to acknowledge that we all are experiencing the same thing, and maybe now is not. If you think about the reasons why we might be afraid to be vulnerable with each other. There's two that come to mind for me. One is, is a fear of judgment, somebody pointing and laughing at you. You know, the, the second grade schoolyard crap that we've all dealt with at one point or another. But the other truth is that when we love someone, they might leave us and that's going to hurt us. And that could mean that, let's say you're in a relationship with somebody and they break up with you or you, know, you get a divorce or something and that person's no longer in your life. But also the simple fact that family members that we love, people we care about, at some point in time, they're going to pass away. Matt Weckl, my original partner here on The Wall Breakers, very close friend of mine. He is, by the way, cousins with Tom Moriello. We've known each other since we're 10 years old. Um, I grew up two doors down from Matt, and in 2011, his mother passed away. And this was in the middle of him and I planning the wall breakers, a million other things going on in his life. She was fighting cancer for a few years. And when I sat down with him for Breaking Walls episode number 24, it was the first time I'd ever really asked him direct questions about how he felt when that happened. Sure, you're friends with somebody for years and years and years, but the amount of vulnerability to even ask somebody about what something like this would do to them I feel very fortunate that I had this opportunity because of this podcast to ask him questions about his life in a formal format because there was absolutely no way that losing your mother wouldn't change you and it did change Matt. I think unfortunately it's 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 you know it's kind of um yeah, unfortunately it's 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 the age-old thing right like you don't know what you have and then it's too late and then well, I think you do appreciate it, but then, but then you you go through these uh, myriad of, of uh, feelings and emotions. I, you know, I was angry for a while. I think I was angry before that too. So, but you do. I, I, hopefully, you come to the point where you try to uh, appreciate the smaller things, or well, we maybe sometimes think of the smaller things, which I try to think of now. As you mean relationships with your family? Yeah, and with your wife and and. And your friends and the things that are, at least to me, you know, truly the most important thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, unfortunately, it took, you know, that death to, to help me realize that 
better than, than I had. And that's unfortunate. But I hope that I can instill that better into my son. Maybe you can't. Maybe it's just you have to go through loss or something to, to truly get a better grip on it. I don't know. It's what it took for me, unfortunately. Um, you know, maybe it makes you a little bit more spiritual. You hope for, you know, for... Uh, start thinking bigger about other things that could possibly happen beyond this this world in some ways maybe yeah you just <clears throat> and you just uh you focus on you also focus on maybe sensing the world around you a little more you know the idea of like that i was a part of my mother so she's therefore a part of me my whole life like what does that mean it's very hard to to grasp that thought but but to try to embrace that thought and to to understand that I can have some part of her with me wherever I go. So It's not then about the loss. It's about what's still here. Well, you hope that you can try to look at it that way, you know? Like, sometimes I get angry that my son's not going to know his grandmother. It's, or that she didn't get the chance to know, to, mm -hmm. to know him. You know, that could be pretty infuriating sometimes. Yeah. But you, Is it infuriating, though, because it's out of your control? Well, you just, you just know, you just, you know, in your head, you see things that could have been, you know, and so you, it's a very human way of doing things. We just don't understand, we can only think so far about this stuff. So. Sure. But aside from that, you just hope that you can carry on her memory and that my son knows about her and, and understands the way she was and, and somehow feels a connection to her through his life in, in some way. And, and that's the best you could do. There's nothing else you, you can really do about it. And like I said, unfortunately, it took something like that to appreciate maybe my relationships more. And right. who knows what different path the, your life would have went on if that didn't happen. Who knows? To me, the importance of inspiration is almost unquantifiable. If you had no inspiration, where could you go? We all like things. We all want to go after things. And when we do that, they bring us into new sections of our lives. We can mark time based on things like going to college or things like getting a new job. These are markers where once we do them, we're not exactly the same. Inspiration operates like that. When we find inspiration and we put ourselves out on a limb, they change who we are. And there's a balance there with inspiration and authenticity. I think to inspire ourselves is to be authentically who we are. I sat down with John Wyshlewski and Olive Hui of Late Cambrian for Breaking Walls episode number 20. And in that episode, John mentioned a portion in his own life where he was trying to find the balance of who he is. Music for you has been a journey to finding out who you truly are at the same time. Well, it's funny, and I'm not a superstitious person, not even like a spiritual person, but there was a book 
called The Secret Language of Destiny. Okay. You know the people who make, there's a book called The Secret Language of Birthdays, and it pretty much breaks down people in the entire world by their birthday based on thousands upon thousands of interviews and profiles on different famous people that are born on that one day and all the things they might they all had in common. Well, their book, The Secret Language of Destiny, uses your birthday and other stuff. It tells you what the destiny of someone like yourself might be, what your balance is in life. And my balance, specifically for me, is the balance between inspiration and imitation, which I thought was really a weird thing to have to learn. But it says that someone like me has to learn to have an original voice and not just be really good at imitating what everyone else does. Okay. And I did start out imitating people. And then even when I'm feeling a little blocked, uh, inspiration-wise, mm -hmm. or I'm feeling like, why does no one understand the music I'm doing? The temptation is very strong to go listen to the radio and then write a bunch of things that I've heard on the radio. Like, I have a very strong pull towards, just because I can do it, I can just imitate people right away. Not like imitate their voice, but like write like them. Do, do what exists really successfully. But that's me failing. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm not saying this book is right about me. I just thought it was an interesting lesson to learn. To learn to just be inspired. To go inside, whatever that means. And then and then the thing that's truly only came from you and isn't a rip-off of anything is actually you doing the best version of yourself. I think John would agree that in finding inspiration and figuring out our own authenticity, it helps us have that balance and it helps us stay present. Our entire lives... There is a constant motion. Because time moves forward in one direction, we always feel a pressure to keep moving our own lives forward. And sometimes it's good to just sit in what we currently have and be appreciative of what we currently have. If you're not feeling that way, that doesn't mean that it's not valid and that you shouldn't want to move your life forward too. When I sat down with Kieran Lewis and we spoke about all the things that he went through when he first left college in getting different jobs, but also stay inspired at the same time, he mentioned that if you're at your job, sure, you need money to live, and let's say it's not the most inspiring thing ever. Don't let that be an excuse to not do the things that you want to do in your own free time. We'd all love all of the time in the world to do whatever we want, including things that inspire us. Sometimes that's not the case because you've got to eat and you've got to put food on the table, but you still have some free time in which you can make steps and you can take your, your life forward. You know, again, it's the very, it's the stigma of when, you know, when you leave university, it's, it's what's next, what next, you know, you, you find your first job, it's, it's a big, big, big step, massive step. Um, but I think the one thing that you could do, especially if you're going to a, your first job and it's not the job that you want to really be in, but you find yourself in it. I think the one thing you, from a designer's point of view, which is very important is, is almost doing side projects, doing something which keeps your mind and your passion still, still afloat. Because I think, like you know, we spoke about when you when you work your nine to five and you get home, you're knackered. You don't really want to, you know, maybe do a lot of work and have that passion. But when you've got something you you know you're really into, you know, you can always substitute, you know, your nine to five job on a weekend, say, and you know, really embrace your passion. Then, so I mean, I know a lot of friends. I mean, who left with fantastic grades at my uni, really good grades. But like most students when they leave university, very difficult find to find work. So a lot of them have gone into to maybe to, to retail jobs or jobs that they wouldn't necessarily thought they'd be doing. But whilst they're doing that, they've also got their side projects, they've got their freelance projects, and that's where you can, you can clearly see they've got an interest and a drive for it. So, I mean, what I would advise for people who, who are coming out of UNICEF and they can't find their ideal job and feel that, you know, the passion might die, 
I kind of think to myself, well, like any between 20 and 30 year old, people, you know, you need to have money first of all to live, which is necessity. So, you know, you work and you work to earn, which is fine. But I always think it's very important to keep that passion, that drive, whether it's something as a freelance or a side project, or even if it's something you do you know, every other weekend, it, but it's keeping your, your brain and your interest still, still afloat, like I said, you know, and keeping that drive still there. Because you know, in time, it's all about patience, you know, you, the, you know, the, the more you look, the harder you find, you know, you will eventually find your ideal, your ideal job role. It can take for some people, it could be months, even years, but you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, you work hard, you get the benefits. For anyone who has that idea, then I always think, you know, it's um, positive thinking and uh, hopefully it gets you, gets you cut forward. It was through a side project that my guest for Breaking Walls episode number 18, Mike Freiheit, who is currently a Chicago-based illustrator and comic book artist, found himself working at a primate sanctuary and being part of an entirely different world that he had no prior concept of. It was because of that that Mike has produced two and now going on three self-funded, through Kickstarter, Monkey Chef comics. What's it like when you go to a, a world that you have no concept of? I asked Mike that question. Yeah, absolutely no concept. I mean, when people think of Africa, it's like jungles and like there's like bongos beating and like native people or whatever and <laughs> all this type of shit. I mean, I think that's like the Westerners' view of it. So I mean, my I, mine wasn't exactly that, but it wasn't exactly like, oh, there's strip malls just like here, or it's semi-arid and almost not so different from how Colorado is, because that's actually how it was in South Africa. So I mean, yeah, when I got there, my reservations were definitely like, man, I hope this isn't weird. I hope they're nice. You know, I hope, <laughs> I hope the living situation isn't too insane or terrible. I hope there's internet <laughs> so I can. <laughs> talk to my friends and girlfriend and all that. And yeah, I was just really excited because my idea going into it was like, I'm going to go to a monkey sanctuary and everyone's going to be working together and we're going to have a great time and I'm going to make a book of paintings and drawings for my experiences and all that. And yeah, actually when I first was going over there, it wasn't going to be a comic book. It was just going to be like a, a book of paintings and drawings and like stray observations and stuff like that. So yeah, really just the unknown of it, like going to a, I, I had never been abroad, like over the ocean to another country, so that was like kind of a big deal. And it took me like 24 hours to get there, so that was something too. Yeah, it was really just the unknown, really just like trying to, I don't even remember what I thought of it right now <laughs> when I was that guy. You know, it's through following our own inspirations that I think we become who we truly are because we have the confidence to be who we want to be on the inside, on the outside. It's like our subconscious and our conscience meeting each other and allowing us to transcend normal, everyday thought and think about things on a higher level, but still bring them right back to actual life and to what's for dinner and what are we doing tomorrow. When we can do that and develop that kind of self-awareness, it allows us to become more than ourselves. And when I sat down with Reb, before we had launched Breaking Walls, I sat down the first time with him and a good friend of his and recording partner, Jason Adams. And we spoke about something similar. You can't, like, you can't make chemistry, you build chemistry. Exactly. You can't mix a pot together and expect that one time that mixed pot just happened to work. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not going to work. No. Chemistry I mean, sometimes is it is natural, but then you, you have still to come. You have to, be, you have to have guidelines. Well. It's very true. You have, yeah. yeah. You gotta, you I guess that's how you it. become a okay, right? Yeah. You gotta be. You gotta be high. You gotta be high with yourself. You know. You accept yourself. You be. You kind of like become water, Bruce Lee. 
You know what I'm saying? One Absolutely. of my favorite guys to uh, to just learn from, man. I mean, you could watch an interview from that guy over and over and over again and learn how to live life and relate his, his ideas. Okay, so let's say you have a general understanding of business. Let's say that you've taken the time to form human connections with people. And let's say that you've worked to receive inspiration and to be happy. Well, the reality of the situation is, even if you set all of those things into motion, it's like I mentioned on the beginning of the podcast when I said that my friend Tommy, he went to have a Halloween party in New York City, and what's one thing that you'd never expect would happen on Halloween in New York? Oh, snow. It never snows in October in New York City, but it did that day, and he had to adapt on the fly and make changes. Patience, for me personally, has been one of the most difficult things for me to master, because it's like you got to be persistent. You can't just sit there and not try to do things. But then once you do things, you can't expect that anything will actually become of them. You just have to keep trying and keep winding toys up and winding toys up and eventually those toys go. I can't guarantee to anybody who's listening that the next thing that you undertake will be the thing that really sets your life in motion. But what I can guarantee is that if you never try, then nothing will ever get set in motion. Patience is a difficult virtue. But when mastered, I'm finding and I'm nowhere near mastering it, but I am finding that the more patient that I am, the happier that I tend to be because then I'm not expecting anything to come. I'm just putting things in motion, trusting myself, and allowing serendipity to take place. I had a conversation with Lena Gonzalez that went in a similar direction in 2014. What came out of that conversation unexpectedly was that Lena and I partnered and relaunched the Wall Breakers. That day, when I wanted to interview her, a very good acquaintance of mine, for Breaking Walls, which turned out to be Breaking Walls Episode 2, there would have been no chance in hell that either one of us could know that we'd form a partnership after that. Who would know that? It was just that I sat down and interviewed her. I had no expectation that anything would come of that other than that, and serendipity took place. But if things are working or aren't working, I think it's important to be able to adapt on the fly like my friend Tom Moriello did when he saw his party going down the drain, he was able to salvage the situation. I guess one thing about my personality and how I view things is I very much like try to see patterns and when there's a pattern I try to like figure out what that is. So for example like what have I done in the past that has worked? What have, what have I done in the past that hasn't worked? What have I observed from other people that's worked for them and not worked? One of my really good friends, Monica, who lives in San Francisco, but used to work in an ad agency in New York, one of the things that I noticed about her approach, about just finding, navigating, and traveling through different careers and different titles and different positions is there's this thing called Agile, which is just kind of like a type of way of working where they very much value um, fast failures, getting to the problem as quickly as possible, and then like seeing if it, seeing if it works in, 
and doesn't work. And, um, and then if it works, continue trucking along. If it doesn't work, drop it, try something else. Doesn't work, drop it again, try something else until it goes. And for Monica, she has the same kind of like, I noticed pattern in her career where she, I mean, but she's not saying that she's failed at all her careers, but she like will start at a position somewhere, stay a couple months. If it doesn't challenge her in the way that she feels like she's being challenged, she'll move on to something else and continue and continue building up on that. And uh, so much so that it's led her to like her dream job, which is basically like being a creative director at like a food company. And she's so, she's so much like a foodie. For me, I think my approach is less uh, speedy as that. I think what I've been doing is just seeing what my toolkit is. Mm -hmm. um, and expanding the toolkit. Yeah, because like, like I, I, I very much value this idea of being a Jill of all trades, <laughs> even though like, obviously you being a Jill of all trades makes you like, a master of none but I think it's important for me personally to be a generalist because I like this idea of having a wide scope a wide range of tools in my toolbox to then solve the problem mm -hmm. some people like being more specific and like honing in with like a laser-like focus on one thing but for me I, I like having a wide broad base of knowledge which is why like my career I feel like has bounced around in different industries like yep. I did educational publishing and then I did the entertainment industry and now I'm doing work for financial clients and book publishing and I was doing print design and now I'm doing like digital design. Getting a new job can also be a test of patience because how many times have you interviewed for a job and you don't hear back from them? three months, six months, nine months, a year later, they get back in touch with you. These things, they happen. One of my good friends, Susan Doyle, who has emigrated from Ireland to America and America back to Ireland, but she's currently living in America, now in Washington, D.C., decided when she got here to New York that she was going to change careers. And it really didn't happen totally through her own plan. She had been interning at a radio station when she got here to New York and wound up finding herself in a totally different career. So my first couple of months here were kind of tough. I worked part-time at my sister and my brother-in-law's company and I had worked with them every summer since I was 16. So I did that three days a week and then that allowed me the other two days a week to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Uh, so I started interning at a radio station in New York, WNYC. Fantastic place to work great team, really smart programming, loved working there. But they didn't have any openings, I was just interning. Uh, I did some correspondent work for the station back home and I helped them out by covering things like the Occupy Wall Street event and all that kind of stuff. At Hurricane Sandy I did a piece on. You know, but little things like that just weren't cutting it. And I came to Bloomberg to interview for a part-time TV researcher job. And I got through several interviews at Bloomberg they eventually took somebody internally. And they were like, well, we'll look at your resume another time. And I thought, yeah, I'm never going to hear from Bloomberg again. About two or three months later, they called me. HR said, hey, we kept your resume on file. You've never done PR work before, but we think you might be a good fit for this role. Why don't you come in and talk to us about it? And that's a testament to a good PR or a good HR person. It's also important to remember that in business and even in life, politics can be present. Sometimes a unified goal isn't the only reason why people do things, but it's important, I think, to establish yourself with people 
that you do have a unified goal with. Spencer Johnson, who is Breaking Walls Episode 9, is actually in business with his family. And the benefit to that is that because you have a relationship with somebody already, you hold each other accountable. And because it's your family, you care about them. You don't want to let them down, and you have a unified goal. You got to always keep things professional and realize that sometimes, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily going to go your way. And there's probably usually better ways to make it go your way. Yeah, absolutely. Reaction, you know, there's always that, you always got to take that moment of pause, it seems. And that's a good thing, you know, for people to realize. And I think you only, it's like sticking your finger in a socket as a toddler. Once you do that and you're like, no, that really hurt, you start to figure out like, oh, yeah, from those times that I burned myself because while I was right, yeah, it didn't matter in the end that I was right. You know, you do kind of learn to step back and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 I think with my family, it's 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 easier because there's, there's less politics and there's more of a unified goal. And my goal, you know, wasn't necessarily anything specific. You know, some people fall in love with projects a desired outcome or a vision and they want to have control over all of it and you know they have to have it their way and yeah a lot of times that can be detrimental and that that's what can kind of lead to overreactions or for particularly in for our family business infinite cortex especially this first project i wanted to be very loose it was just you know mostly about learning and accomplishing something you know that something didn't didn't have to be a, a magnum opus. It just it just needed to get done eventually, and it and and be fun, you know. And it, if it had to be something, it had to be fun. And so I, I made a lot of compromises in some areas. Also tried to get what I wanted in in other areas. But I'm really happy with our first product. The things that we talked about so far, business, patience, human connection, to me they all ladder to one point that makes everything go and without it you can't do it. We have to trust ourselves. If we trust that us today knows what we know at this moment and can't know anything more than that, but we're going to put ourselves forward by taking steps in the right direction. What we have to trust is that the steps that we are taking will always be in the right direction because no matter what direction we go in, we will trust our future selves to know what to do next. For me personally, looking at things one step at a time has been very helpful in keeping myself present, in trusting myself, and in allowing happiness into my life. That's not to say that I was unhappy before I started to do this or that anybody listening to this, if you're, that you're unhappy. I don't mean that at all, but I do think that it takes time as an adult to trust yourself. We spend most of our childhood in school, and by the end of it, I've always felt like we're a big fish in a small pond. And then you become an adult, and you go out into the work world, and you have to make your own way. Yes, there's support all over the place. This is why I'm doing this. But if we don't believe in ourselves, if we don't understand that I know who I am today and I'll know who I am tomorrow. There will be progressive action taking place. 
we won't be able to get anywhere. But if we do know that, then we will. And although this podcast and the Wall Breakers in general tends to slant towards a seemingly being in business for yourself type of sentiment, I don't really mean that. I have spent time as a short-term freelancer, as a long-term contract worker, as a full-time employee. And the only thing that matters across the board on all of those things is my own happiness. So it doesn't matter. Are you in business for yourself? If you are and you're happy with it, like Bretta Fronty, fantastic. Are you working for someone else but like your job? Kieran Lewis, fantastic. Are you doing things on the side to push yourself forward in ways that you don't even know? like Mike Freiheit did when he went to work at a monkey sanctuary and now makes comics because of it. The most important thing that I can think of is that we trust ourselves. When I sat down and I spoke with Eric Gorgeous, who is the host of PBS's Craftsman's Legacy, and he also runs a custom motorcycle shop in Detroit. He worked in corporate America. He left his job. He hasn't looked back. But he has good insight on what kind of life is for him and that might not be for everybody else. I'm much better when I've got way too much stuff going on. And you know, my days are overwhelming. I've got to be somewhere by 8 a.m. and I've got to be somewhere at 8 p.m. And you're just booked up constantly. That's when, when I enjoy things because that keeps me going. I don't like it when there's not enough going on. You know what I mean? The self-doubt um, creep in or, you know, the I feel, yeah, I feel lazy. You know what I mean? And I, I almost feel like I'm not doing, like I'm not doing something. I should be doing more. But it's, it's really hard for me. Really hard for me. My schedule opens up a ton when we're not shooting. And, and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm not like, oh my gosh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. And, you know, you start scrambling to, to find more projects, you know, to put on your plate. But I don't, I don't know. I, you know, honestly, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. To because me, there are bad times that are going to come and they do suck. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's for everybody, you know, because I don't think everybody would enjoy it. I don't know. Sometimes you'll meet somebody and you'll, they'll ask you what you do and you tell them what you do and they, they think if you own your own business, then man, oh man, you've got to be doing great. That might be true for a lot of people, but it's far from the truth for most, I believe. And I think it is really hard and it is really stressful and it is sometimes real crappy decisions and sacrifice. One of the main points that Eric was making there was that if you know who you are, then you can know how to take risks. Lena Gonzalez, in the episode where I sat down with her, mentioned her friend Monica as someone who was not afraid to take risks. Later on, Lena and I sat down with Monica for Breaking Walls episode number 11. She had been living in Brooklyn, New York after college, and her boyfriend at the time was moving to San Francisco. She took a leap of faith and went with him. Now, the relationship that she was in with her boyfriend, it ended. But her relationship with San Francisco did not end when her relationship with her boyfriend ended. She couldn't have known that if she didn't take that risk. And doing so has helped her further her own trust for herself. What were some of the things that you were feeling at that time? It was very scary. At first, I didn't know if I wanted to take it. It was definitely one of those things where I thought, what if this doesn't work out? 
sorry, those are my dogs. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. thinking, what what ha would happen if it doesn't work out? Would I be able to still get back into advertising? Do I want to go back into advertising? What's going to happen if it sucks? And if if it's awesome, I, it, there was just so many things going through my head. And you know, ultimately, I decided to embrace the fear and just jump. And it ended up being the best decision I ever made. Ultimately, the um, relationship that brought me out to San Francisco failed, but I was in the best place possible for my career and for my passion to blossom. It's amazing. It's been great ever since. What kind of advice would you give someone, you know, that period in between when you need to be patient and you need to stay open and you need to say, like, oh, no, I'm going to keep pushing this. What advice would you give someone who maybe is going through something like that, even if somebody, let's say, is unemployed and not sure what their next move is? How do, how do people stay sane without retreating back to their comfort zone, which might not be the solution in the first place? I would say keep at it. Always be open and willing to pounce on opportunities when they arise. And knowing when those opportunities arise, no matter you know how small or how big, life's too short really you know, to be unhappy or average or stuck at a crappy job. I feel like if you're cultivating your passion, if you're doing something you love and you have a hobby and you're you're nurturing that people will notice you know just make your art known you know whatever you're passionate about it'll it will show and people will notice would you agree that most of the reason why we don't trust ourselves is like built up residue from being a child where somebody picked on you and because of that you questioned your own self-worth and school is like that at some point we all get picked on that's just life we have to learn who we are. I think I'm, I'll be 29 next month, and if somebody was to pick on me today, I would just laugh at them because I trust myself. I know who I am. And the only way that we can do that, obviously, is taking risks. When I sat down with Lake Cambrian, one of the two people that I talked to was Olive Hui. Olive is a friend of mine that I met through the Wall Breakers, and I'm very fortunate to call her and John friends because specifically about Olive, She's one of the most remarkable, positive, upbeat people that I know. If you met her in 10 seconds, you'd want to be best friends with her because she exudes confidence, personality, perseverance, and passion. Her and I talked about her past as a child growing up in China and what took her to America as time went on. And she brought up a specific point in time that made her remember something. Yeah, absolutely. I don't always talk about I'm an artist. I think everyone is an artist. And a lot of labeling are not totally correct. And I think that we have to find our center first. And listening to our own brain is so important. Not what just your parents say. Not that everything they say won't be applied to you, but just listen to yourself first. Mm -hmm and know how to filter things out. Sure. Because nobody nobody taught me how to filter, so I listened to everyone, and I would get like sad about one comment. Say, for example, when I was, uh, I think, 13, I wanted to, I, I was so shy at the time, so I wanted to um, join a poetry reading competition. I remember in class, these two girls were like, really good and they had been doing it for years they won some awards so i was the third person to sign up and nobody was like expecting me to because i was kind of the insecure shy one sitting at the back i was kind of tall 
And I remember reciting the whole poem in front of my class, and a classmate raised her hand, and she said to the teacher, I don't like her voice. I don't like how she sounds. And I probably thought about that for a really long time, feeling really stupid. And like stuff like that that happened to you when you're younger. Right. Has a big effect later. And it I does. think knowing how to filter, especially living in New York City, you know, once you get out of the door, anyone will throw you a comment on the street. You know, as I think about it, being open, but also learning how to filter, like Olive mentions, what it's like to live in New York as a, as a beautiful woman in a city like New York City. You walk down the street, I, I'm not a beautiful woman, so I don't have this happen to me, but I would imagine that people, like Olive says, are throwing things at you verbally all the time. To me, being open and learning how to filter at the same time has to be the most high level of trusting yourself. I'm going to be open to everybody, but just because I'm open doesn't mean that you can hurt me. When I see things that come my way and they aren't necessarily positive, they won't bother me because I trust myself. And you do have to make yourself open. Javen Ivey was Breaking Walls episode number 10. In 2007, Javen invented a form of animation, stop-motion animation specifically, called the Stratostencil. I spoke with Javen about that on Breaking Walls episode 10, specifically about finding a eureka moment when you make something in life that you know doesn't exist anywhere because you haven't seen it. But then once that's over, what do you do? It makes me remember a TED Talk with Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she spoke about, okay, so let's say at 35 you just had your magnum opus and you don't know it yet, or you do know it. How do you prevent yourself from becoming like Ernest Hemingway and drinking gin at 7 a.m. because you can't get over the fact that your life's work is over, but your life isn't? So Javen and I, we, we mentioned that in our conversation because he did something in 2007 that could be construed as because he invented something and hasn't invented anything new technically, he hasn't done anything that's matched it. And that could be further from the truth. Actually, the Stratostencil technique that he in helped invent in 2007, it's taken him to where he is now in 2015 and beyond. You've got to make yourself open to things that happen. Absolutely. You have to, you have to consciously make that decision. Well, I take that back. Not everybody does. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people that, that go through life very open to everything that's going on. And, you know, you talk about luck and serendipity. Those are the luckiest sure. people. You know, like I know some of the luckiest people. But it's a big part of it is because they're so open and they're so aware and so receptive to the things that are going on around them. Yeah, you can absolutely just consciously grow a sense of awareness and receptiveness and openness, and you just see more, you know? After 25 episodes of Breaking Walls, I can tell you that I see more. And I am so thankful to guests that I've had, friends, acquaintances, strangers that I never even met that have allowed me to ask them invasive questions about potentially some of the things that they're more insecure about, some of their most celebrated things. I've learned a lot about myself in the process and I couldn't have done it without everybody who you've heard tonight. As we move forward on the wall breakers and breaking walls, I would like to be able to put out three podcasts a month I say it publicly because now I am withheld to that. 
And if you've made it this far in this episode, I just want to remind you guys that you can get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers or going to iTunes and searching for The Wall Breakers on iTunes. I'm not going to include any of the guests' social media information in this particular episode because there would be too many to list. But please, if any of these guests have interested you and you haven't heard their episodes, go check out Breaking Walls on both SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can get their social media information there. If this is also the first time that you're listening to this podcast, know that each podcast is centered around a helpful topic, and each topic ladders up to the monthly theme. As I mentioned on the opening, this month, October, our theme is Fear and Masquerade, which comes from Halloween being in the month of October. So, you know how I always end these things, guys. It's October, like I just said. Don't be fearful. Don't masquerade as anything. Be yourself. Get out there. Break those walls. Those walls that are in front of you are not in front of you to keep you out. They're in front of you to see how bad you want to break through them. So break through those walls, guys. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode number 25. And until October 10th, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much, and have a good night. Thank you.